Good morning, everybody. Everyone good? Fantastic. You ready for the word today? Cool. This word has been birthed out of quite a few things over the last few months that God has shown me. When I've been to a prayer meeting, someone has prayed it. Somebody has said it. I've heard it listening to a podcast. And it's all come together in this one message today, which I think God has prepared on purpose for you. Because the message is called Purposeful today. And every single person sat here today is here on purpose. You were created on purpose. No one here is a mistake or a mishap. God has created you on purpose for purpose. And I want to look in today the God-given purpose that he's put within you, in your giftings, in who you are, in who he's called you to be, in and outside of the church, and how this year he wants you to do things on purpose for your purpose to come out. So it's about being purposeful. So we need to be intentional with our purpose this year. Because you know what happens? We go New Year's Day and then we're like, this is it. The year of change, the year of breakthrough. And by the 28th of January, we're like, oh, same old, same old. But I know that God is calling us as a people and a church today to live purposefully, to live on purpose with our gifts, our callings, our ministries, our business, in our families, to be purposeful and intentional in what he's given us to carry for such a time as this. So to be purposeful is to be determined, to be resolute, to be firm, steadfast and single-minded. We're called to be enthusiastic and ambitious in our purpose, to be enterprising and motivated, to be driven in the purposes God has called us to. So my challenge this year is to not be same old, same old and get to December and like, oh, 2018 happened, but to be purposeful in the vision, the calling, the gifting that God has put on your life because every single person has purpose to fulfill for God. So are you excited about finding out your purpose today? cool, I'm going to take you on a journey. And it's important to see your purpose now, because many of us who've been Christians a long time might be living in the purposes of 10 years ago. And God is saying, I want to bring you up to date to give you a new vision, a new set of lenses to see clarity for now. We need to update the vision statements over our lives, church, over our individual callings and giftings, because God's saying, I want you to see it now. On the 21st of January, 2018, I want you to look now with clarity because I want to show you what your new purpose is for this season because there's new stuff that's got to come out. It's not same old, same old. It's new things because we've got a world to reach. We've got a town to reach. We've got people to bring into the church that need Jesus and our purpose needs to be sharp, needs to be on it. So you're with me today, church. But maybe when I talk about purpose, you feel like, yeah, that's great for so-and-so because I can see the purpose on Pastor Barry's life or or Becca's life or Io's life. But, But I feel a bit like maybe I've been overlooked in purpose. Maybe you look around at every other ministry in church or every other business opportunity and you think, but but where's my purpose? I've, I've been missed out of purpose, but you haven't. It's a lie. The truth is we're all purposed and every purpose looks different because God has crafted a purpose specifically for you that's in your DNA. There's nobody else that can fulfill the purpose that God has placed on your life. There's no one else that can do it just like you can do it because God has called you to do something different. And it's about being the best version of you and being the authentic, real you in this time for his purposes to be revealed in the outworking of your life. So you do have a purpose. You're not here just to show up and go home and that's it. 
You have a purpose that is 24-7, 365 days of the year, purposed by God to see his glory come, to see families change, to see situations changed, for you to bring the word that only your lips can speak, for you to lay down your gift that only you've been gifted with. And no two are identical because it's a unique individual purpose that God has for you. Maybe you get so far into your purpose and you think things are going well with your ministry, your business, your mission, whatever it is you know you're called to do. And then a stumbling block comes and you think, oh, what's happened there? But you see, this message today is for those who've got to that point and think, what's next? What door is going to open? How am I going to fulfill what is over there and I'm here? This message is for you today. This message is for the people that feel overlooked and feel like, well, when God handed out purposes, I obviously missed that cue. I'm a British, but maybe I queued up for hours and still missed the purpose queue because we love a queue up for hours in England, don't we? We see two people at a bus stop, we think we'll just join that queue because it's a queue. It's obviously leading somewhere. But this message is for the faithful ones who you've kept on in your purpose and you've kept working the field and you've kept on and you've kept on and you're like, okay, I know breakthrough is coming. This, this message is for the ones that stand here and say, there must be more than this. There must be more, God. I saw more for my life. This message is for you. You see, the message is for everybody here that is living and breathing in this room because we're all made on purpose for God's purpose for his church and his kingdom. So I want to look at the life of David to the very beginning of his life to un unveil purpose today. Because David, as many of us will know the end of the story, but the beginning of the story, God developed in David a worshipper, a warrior, and a winner. A worshipper, a warrior, and a winner. And I want to look at that in your life because the purpose of your life is to be a worshipper, a warrior, and a winner. So if we go back to the story in Israel at the time, there was a king who was in charge called Saul. And Saul looked the part. He was tall, he was handsome, he was athletic. He had it all going on. He was the king. But God came to the point where he didn't want Saul to be king any longer. He wanted to anoint a new king. You see, Saul looked the part, but he didn't have the heart for the job. And God said, I need to anoint somebody new. So in that day and age, he would go to his prophets. And at the time, there was this guy called Samuel. And he said, Samuel, you need to go and anoint the new king. So Samuel says, okay, obey God. I will go and anoint the new king. Where do I go? You need to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. Now, we know that town from another story. But he was, okay, I'll go. So Samuel went to the house of Jesse. And I imagine it a big house, like Hillbilly Farm, because that's Dukes of Hazard. That's back to my youth. But you can imagine it's the house of Jesse. And so there was Samuel. He turned up at the house of Jesse. And he went in. And there was Jesse in his house with seven of his handsome sons, strapping young lads who would fit the king's armor perfectly, who looked like the next king. And Samuel walked in with his little anointing oil jar because they had to go and anoint the next king with oil. It was a symbolic act back in the day. And he walked in. And I'm sure Samuel thought in his heart, I can see that easily any of these sons could be the next king. But God spoke to Samuel very clearly. And if we could have 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, Samuel, it's not going to be the obvious one that you think. You've got seven before you, probably standing in high order. The tallest was probably six foot seven, even taller than Io. <laughs> and, but 
Samuel was stood there and, and God had spoken that to him and, and he listened to the word and he'd got this jar of anointing oil ready to anoint, but he couldn't let the oil go because he knew he hadn't seen the one that God had called. So he's at the house of Jesse with the men lined up and something within him is like, I cannot anoint one of these men because they're not the right ones. So he says to Jesse, have you another son? Is there someone else? Is there someone back in the kitchen? Well, you know, who else is there? Because there's something here that won't let me anoint one of these ones. They look like Saul. They act like Saul. They can carry themselves as king, but they're not the one God is calling. And so Jesse says, well, well, there is David, but he's a shepherd boy and he's out in the field. But, you know, you don't want to worry about that. No, I do. Call him forward. But you mean David, the one who looks after the sheep day in, day out, season after season, year after year, just the small shepherd boy, the insignificant one, the outsider, the on the edge person, the one who has nothing about their love. You mean that, son? Yeah, bring him to me. And so God called through Samuel. David to the house. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. David was called to the house. I just imagine he's just been with a load of sheep. Probably smells a bit sheepish. Or looks sheepish. And he comes in, probably got dirt under his fingernails. Probably been working the land. Plowing, out there, doing what he's called to do. To look after the sheep, his priority. The job he's been called to. And he comes up to the house. And his dad's there. And his seven brothers, who by now are probably like this. <laughs> looking at this young brother that is cold up to the house. And then the Lord says, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. The Lord says, rise and anoint him. He's the one. But he's not the obvious one. But, but surely all these seven sons, no. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. God anoints whom he wants to anoint. God rises up at the right time who he wants to anoint. The shepherd boy. The face without a name. The one that nobody took much care of. Just out in the field, doing the mundane. But God anoints who he wants to anoint for purpose. You see, God saw David of the field. He saw David out there who'd been given a role and been given a job. And what did David do? He served those sheep faithfully. He protected them when the lion and the bear would come. He fought off the enemies of the sheep. He looked after the sheep. They were fed. They were watered. They were protected. He did what he was called to. In horrendous weather, in the heat of the day, in the rainy season, he was out there being faithful with what had been entrusted to him. And God saw that. Because what he also saw was when David was out in the field, he was on his own with a bunch of sheep, not much conversation, a few bars going on. But he had a great conversation with God. He was in that field being developed. There would have been the best worship services on the hills of that field. Because there's just David and his God. He would have been singing out new songs to the God of heaven. He would have been having relationship birthed with, G with God at the time. He would have been there in, in that presence of it's just the sheep, me and God, and worshipped him and created new songs. His gifting, his servant heart, his faithfulness was developing as the heart of a worshipper out in the field, out in the obscure place when nobody really cared much about him. But there was a God in heaven who looked into the heart of that young boy and saw that's the one I want for king. 
because Saul looked the part, but he didn't have the heart of a king. He didn't have a heart that he knew that was in David, that would take David from shepherd boy to king, that would see his journey of courage and boldness and of victories. He saw that in David as well as the journey of mistakes and mess-ups, but he was still anointed to be king. David was a purposeful worshipper. No one said, go to the field, look after the sheep and worship God. It just came out of his heart. It started to develop. We're called to be purposeful worshippers. That whatever season we're in, whatever situation we're in, whatever we're doing, the mundane of just to keep being faithful after faithful after faithful, we're called to be hearts of worshippers. God, I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to praise you. I don't care that I'm out in the field because I know you're preparing me on purpose for when you're going to put me into the front lines. That that heart was being developed like it is in us. And maybe you can relate to the field today. The place of testing and trials and training and mundaneness and is anything going to happen? But I come here today to stir you up. Something is going to happen. Because your purpose might have got to a place that God is going to release it to go to a further place for his glory. Because we've got so much church. You've got to look inside you again. It's time to dream again. It's time to believe again for the bigger thing. It's time to get stirred again that there is more than this. That you are on a journey and God is just waiting and watching so he can propel you to your next steps. Because you don't know the impact you're having when you're in the field. When you're just getting on, doing what you do. David didn't ask to be king. He didn't even know that Samuel was coming to the house of Jesse. He just was being prepared as a worshipper, a warrior and a winner in his training place by just getting on with what he'd been entrusted to. What has God entrusted you with at the moment? Are you just getting on with getting on? Is there something stirring in your heart today to say, God, place my feet in the next places you want me to walk. Open the next door so that my purpose can be opened wider. Stir up within me that purpose you've called me to. And I believe this morning that as we develop this message and as we pray later, God is going to put back into your memory, into your mind, things that you dreamed years ago. Stuff that you thought could be possible in church. That ministry that you're thinking is not there yet, but you've got a heart for it. And you've almost been like back burner. Let's stick it on the back burner. But no, let's make a roaring fire with it this morning, church. Because what God has purposed you for is going to change a church, change a town, change a nation. Because we're God's people full of purpose. So God brought David out of the field, out of obscurity into the front lines. He called him to be king. He anointed him to be king, but he didn't act as king straight away, but the anointing was on his life. And as the previous verse said, the anointing was with him from that day forth. He brought him out, the unlikely one, the, the little brother, the useless one. Sometimes we call ourselves that. What's the use of me? Or I'm just a. You know, whenever you ask anybody, who are you? What do you do? Oh, I'm just a. No, you're not a just a. You're a per person on purpose for kingdom, for God to be used by him. So God has put that gift in, that stuff that stirs you, the things that go on inside you where you're like, oh, that really fills me up to do something different. That is God ordained, part of your DNA that he's given. He'll bring you out at the right time. It's time for boldness and tenacity, church. It's time to keep going and to press on. Because David had an opportunity for boldness. Because what I love about the story is that when he was anointed as king, he didn't stand there like, brilliant, chuck me a crown, give me a robe, sit me in the palace. He didn't do that. Do you know what he did? I'm going to go back to the field and tend the sheep. 
He was anointed and he went back and tended the sheep. Oh, for the church to be the ones that go back and tend the sheep, feed the flock, keep them right until God's propelling you to the next level. Keep your feet where God wants you. Don't run ahead. Don't stay behind, but go with where God is calling you to. And so there was an opportunity for David to step out in boldness and in courage. And it's when he heard of this man called Goliath, a nine-foot-tall giant of a man, like Hulk Hogan times ten. If any of you remember the Hulk. And this giant was coming against Israel. He was coming against the God of Israel. And he was taunting them on the battle lines. He was this Philistine. He didn't believe in God. He hated these people. And he wanted a fight. He was up for the fight. He was like, you know when boxers come out and they do the old stare often? They They look just like that. It's terrifying, isn't it? And there they are doing the old stare. I'm going to get you going to get you and your family. And there he is, taunting Israel. And there's something in the heart of the worshipper and the warrior of David that's like, something's got to be done about this. This young lad, this shepherd boy anointed to be king, I'm not having this. Something rose up in him, this godly fight of this is not right. So he went to Saul the king at the time. And this is what he said in 1 Samuel 17, verses 32 to 37. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. See, the warrior spirit was coming out in David to do something different. He said, you know, when I've protected my father's sheep on the hillside and when a lion would approach, a lion church, a real lion or a real grizzly bear would approach, I I struck it down. I pulled it by its hair and killed it. Now, I don't think there's anybody in this house this morning who can say that they have had a fight with a grizzly bear and have come out on top, except one. And I need to warn our visitors here today that I like to do accents at some point during my preach. I'm trying to have prayer and ministry for the accents, but they haven't gone yet. So until I've been delivered of them, I will now have to go into an accent. But there's only one in the house that has fought the grizzly and has survived. Because in Canada, before the sun has risen, we go out into the forest And we hunt down the grizzly. We grab the grizzly by the rough of his neck. And we rip off that bear's head. And we serve it up on a platter of maple syrup with a side of crispy bacon. And we devour it. And it feels so good. And it's all before sun has risen. Because that's how we roll in Canada. Ingrid is a loving Christian. (laughs) Ingrid forgives. and Already she's forgiven me for the accent, and I hope you have too. 
But it's just to highlight that to go and fight a lion or a bear, you've got to have something about you. But David knew that God was with him when he fought the lion and the bear and he came out on top. So he knew that same warrior spirit that God had put within him would be in him for the fight with the giant. It was no different to him. Ah, you're just like one of the grizzlies. You're just like one of those lions. I'm going to defeat you because God is with me. And we've got to rise up church knowing that our purposes will be filled, fulfilled and we will go through the stuff and we will have victory and defeat the enemies that stand in our way as a church. We will pull down strongholds that we will see deliverance come in our nations because God is with us. And I believe it's a time as a church, we've got to get the warfare spirit back in us. You see, we come from a place of knowing that we have the victory in the fight, knowing already in advance that we have the victory to overcome because the Bible tells us that. We warfare in the authority and power that has already been released to us, knowing that we have the victory. If we could have 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we can take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, we're in a spiritual battle, whether we like it or not. And the way we fight is not like, put them up with our fists. We fight with the power and authority that's been given to us. We fight with the word of God. We fight with pray, praise and worship. We fight with the, applying the blood of Jesus to situations. And sometimes you just got to get before God and you've got to warfare for some stuff. You know, even this week, Dan and I had a situation where there was an opportunity coming our way, but there was the biggest fight to stop this opportunity happening. And we could just see it, and we'd had confirmation of that. And, you know, I'm walking around my kitchen like a complete nutter, declaring, you can believe that, I'm sure, but declaring the word of God, appropriating what it said in the Bible, pushing back the strongholds, pushing back what the enemy was trying to throw at us. It felt like before something was going to be birthed, he was trying to snatch it at that point of conception. And we stood on something, we prayed. And when Dan came home from work we put the girls to bed and we stood in our front room and we prayed and we declared the word of God over the situation we declared the purposes in our life we pushed back the stuff and you know what within 20 minutes an email came through on our uh, on our inbox that changed everything and that's our God and we need to do that so come on be encouraged in that God is with us, church. Whatever it looked like, God is with us through every situation. So David went out in confidence to fight that giant. And we need to go out in confidence to fight down everything that sets itself up against our purpose and say, in the name of Jesus, gone. Push through the barriers. Warfare again, church. Get that sound up within our hearts to know that we're on the winning side. The victory is already won in Jesus' name. So then David gets ready to fight. So he goes back to Saul again, 1 Samuel 17, verses 38 to 39. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor, and sorry, he put on a, a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. So he went out to fight the giant, in something that didn't fit for him. It wasn't fit for his purpose. It was far too big. It was far too heavy. It wasn't what he was used to when he pulled down the lion and the bear. It just didn't fit. Now, have you ever had that when you've, you've tried to put in an outfit that just doesn't fit or doesn't look right? 
You know, recently my sister had a wardrobe sort out. She'd got so many clothes. You know, it's like you wear like 20% of all your wardrobe. She's like, I'm going to have a good clear out. So I was on the receiving end of some clothes, which was like, yes, get in there. Because some of them still had labels on them. Some of them were like brand new, worn once. There was an outfit perfect for a wedding. I was so grateful of this bag of clothes. So I started to look through it, put a couple of the outfits on. And some of them were brilliant. They were perfect, my style, my fit, everything. But some of them were just not me. You know when it's just not you? And I tried. I persevered with a couple of them. And I put in a couple of things, and there was this one pair of trousers, and they, they were really nice. And I was like, yes. But they were too short in the leg for me. But I was like, I'll try it one day. I thought I was getting away with it until Dan walks into the room and says, ah, do you want to put some jam on your shoes and invite your trousers down for lunch? It's <laughs> like, yeah. They're meant to be full length, but they were mid-calf. And there was one top that was meant to be a jumper about here. It was a crop top. I thought I looked down with the kids to lay me went, no, Mum. <laughs> it just wasn't me. And yet, because there was labels on them, I thought, well, if they fit, you see, it saves me some money later down the line. And, and that would be good to have that now. But it just wasn't me. And I want to say, in your purpose and your ministry, and what God has called you to do inside and outside of church, let it be your fit. Stop trying to be someone else. Do we want a church of 200 Pastor Barrys? No, we don't. Because he's called to do what he's called to do. And I'm called to do what I'm called to do. And you're called to do what you're called to do. We don't want to be replicas of somebody else. We don't want to think that's what ministry should look like. That's how a song should be sung. Because we'll all sing it a different way. We need to be true and authentic to us. This year is about being the best version of you. The best version of you, not someone else. But what do we do? We compare. And we shouldn't compare. And the Bible clearly tells us it's not good to compare. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who condemn themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. How many themselves are in that verse? Because we shouldn't measure themselves with themselves, to themselves, in themselves. Because it's just not wise. And it's not, is it? Because we look at someone else's life and ministry that might be on the similar lines to us. Or what someone else is doing in the business world and think, that should look like that. I should be like that. But no, you shouldn't. Because your purposes won't be fulfilled if you're doing it through somebody else. It needs to be you. You need to be called to what you're called to do and stay authentic to what you're called to do. You know, you've got to run in your lane because you know what happens in church? We get our gift or our ministry or our mission or in the business world, whatever we're called to, whatever God has purposed, and we start running straight and then we see someone else doing it like that over there. So we get in their lane and then, then we're tripping them up because we're in their lane and then we need to go back to our lane, but we've got to cross over three other people and all the lanes merge into one. And God said, my house was never meant to look like that. My house was meant to be all colours and all flavours. And you see, if you want to wear the skinny jeans and you want to wear the ripped jeans and the tight shirts, that's great. But if you want to wear a suit, you keep with your suit because that's your purpose of who you are. And you want to wear a dress, that's fine. But I oh, don't wear a dress on a Sunday, <laughs> Friday nights. But you've got to be true to what you Ah, you've got to keep your fit so you're ready to go out in what you're called to do so you can fight with the ease of what you've got. The, the enemy of anointing is comparison. Kills your anointing. You'll be anointed for something and then you think, oh, I said that and it didn't quite look like Joyce Meyer said it. 
but I'm not Joyce Meyer, so it shouldn't sound like Joyce Meyer because I'm me. Don't let comparison kill the anointing within you. Let that anointing come up with the purposes that you're called for. David was a purposeful winner. You know, I wonder, I always like to get into the story when I read the Bible. I wonder what it felt like for that young boy who's gone onto the battlefield with a jeering Philistine army, with this giant, nine-foot-tall Goliath stood before him. And there he is, this small shepherd boy, with no armor, no protection in the natural, standing there with his shepherd's bag and five smooth stones. What did that feel like on the inside? You see, I feel like there would be fear. There would be that, oh, come on. He'd probably be shaking on the inside. Looking at that giant who's saying, is this the best you've got? You've sent me a boy who laughed in his face. The crowd behind him. He's standing there and he's got this opportunity. I think there was a mix of both. Fear, oh, but there was courage and boldness. God is with me. I've done the bear. I've done the lion. I've done my training. So I know I'm on the field now. I'm out at the front line and I'm ready because of what God has done in me already. I'm a worshipper. I'm a warrior, and now I'm going to be a winner. So I think he looked that giant in the eye, and then he proceeded to say, God, be with me. God, I can't do this on my own. My purposes can never be fulfilled on my own. Only you, if you go with me, can they be done. 1 Samuel 17, verses 48 to 51. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. That's boldness. That's tenacity. That's courage. I'm going to run towards you, giant. Reaching in his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. With what the enemy had caused to bring harm to David in his own sword, David plucked it out of the hand of the enemy and cut off his head. That's what we do, church. You know, we are the ones that can cut back the enemy, can push back the powers of darkness, can go through in our purpose because we're fulfilled with God in us. God was with him. It's even like he did a trophy, didn't he? He chopped his head off. He'd already killed him. But what did that say to the people around him? Are we going to believe in the God that he believes in? God was with him. There was victory. Now, God always causes us to triumph. How would you come? Um, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. Now, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So in your purpose, in your calling, in your life and what that looks like, God will always lead you into triumph. Always, you are on the winning side. And I love the second part of the verse that says it diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You see, when you go through the hardest of times and you come out in triumph on the other side and you say, that's all glory to God, that diffuses the fragrance of God into your family, into your friends, into this town. When you say, I'm going to live a purposeful life, and you know that doesn't always look good at times, that's hard, and I have to push through some stuff, and I have to toil the soil of the field, and I have to get to the next level. But because God is with me, I know there's going to be triumph on the other side. It speaks volumes, and it creates a lovely fragrance about our lives because it's saying, God, 
you're with me. God, you are my victor. God, you're more than a conqueror for me. And it stirs it up within us. David, a purposeful worshipper, a purposeful warrior, and a purposeful winner. Can we say that about each other today? That's what we are as a church of God. We're worshippers, we're warriors, and we're winners in this season. Can we get stirred up to more church? Because I want to call out some purposes today. I believe, it's interesting because mum and I literally have not spoken at all. She didn't even know what the title of my message was today. But, but God is saying something to us people. He's saying it is time to dream again. It's time to believe in the purpose he's called you to. Because for some of us we think, oh, I'm a bit long in the tooth now and it hasn't happened yet. But God is saying it is going to happen because I've called you to purpose. And it might look different from how you think it's going to look. But will you trust me and let those purposes rise up again? Let those dreams, those business ideas be birthed again. That give it a go. God is with you. That for those ministries, as I talk, there's people in this room who are like, oh, I'm called to women. I can minister to women. I get it. That you're like, well, there could be a platform for that in the church. For those who want to work with the kids and have a heart to see youth on fire for Jesus, that there's that stirring today. For those opportunities in family, for that boldness just to step out. God is saying, be bold and courageous, for I am with you, church. To stir up for the job opportunities in here, for those who are called into the business world, into the field. You want to bring in kingdom finance, perhaps, that God's stirring you up again. It is possible for those hopes and those dreams of who you are. Well, perhaps for some, we're looking at the next generation. Or I haven't got my purpose, but it's all about my kids. No, no, it's all about you. What's God called you to for this time? Because no one is overlooked here. No one has been forgotten. God is saying, stirring it up again within you. So if I could ask you to stand, I'd love to pray for you, church. Father God, I want to thank you for each and every person that's come here this morning, Lord God. I want to thank you for these people that are created on purpose, for purpose, Father. I want to pray that through this meeting today, there will be that stirring within each and every one's heart for the more, Lord God, for more of your purpose to be revealed in their lives, Lord. I want to call out purpose on people's life on purpose today, Lord God. I want to pray, Father, that you'd call out those with the gift of encouragement, who where it's been on the back burner would start to encourage again. For those with a listening heart, where listening is just so key in this day and age, that you'd call out that again, Father. For businesses where there's an idea has been going around and around and around in your head and nothing's happened, that purposefully you will pursue that business idea. For ministry that is to be birthed, that you would just put that on people's hearts today, Lord God, that you're calling them out of place of, of comfort and into a place of stepping out because you're calling them to purpose for such a time as this, Father. I want to pray for every heart that has said, but it's not possible because I'm just me, that you would come by your spirit today, God, and you would say, but I called you to be you for such a time as this, that each and every one would come and want to be the best version of themselves today, Father, that you would take off comparison in Jesus' name, of lining up to someone or something and they would just be called to be them because that's what you've purposed, Lord God. I want to pray that hope would be restored to hearts this morning, Father, that people would go away from this place feeling like, yes, all things are possible because of you, Jesus. 
Thank you that you are God with us. God, Emmanuel, God with us. I want to pray for everyone as they step into this week, Lord God, you'd be with them in every situation, Father. And you would call people to know that you have given them purpose and you've got things for them to do beyond their wildest dreams. So we send them away blessed today, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen.